Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. I'm Christopher Granger. I'm a cardiologist at Duke, and I'm very pleased to discuss approaches in anticoagulation for atrial fibrillation. And I will base this on a case that I think is a fairly typical case of patients who are relatively high risk and who present a challenge in use of anticoagulation. This is an 89-year-old woman, has paroxysmal atrial fibrillation. That's always a question. Should we treat lower burden paroxysmal AFib? It is a condition that has lower risk of stroke, but nonetheless warrants treatment in a high-risk patient like this, in anyone with a chads vast score of at least two. Low body weight, has a bioprosthetic aortic valve. That brings up the issue of prosthetic valves. We know for mechanical prosthetic valves, we should use warfarin. But for bioprosthetic or TABR, it's fine to use DOEX. Creatinine is normal, but creatinine clearance is low. And this is a really important issue because this is also a high-risk group, and each of the DOEX is at least partially renally eliminated. She falls, and she falls enough so that she'd broken her hip in fact, while on apixaban, um, and that's common to fall, and I'll get back to that issue and what should be done after her fractures. And I'll present the choices, and then at the end, I'm going to have you make your uh, choice on the uh, post-quiz. So let me just reiterate that we have extraordinarily effective treatments to prevent stroke for patients with atrial fibrillation. On the left-hand side of this slide, warfarin is very effective. It's, it's, it's not easy to use, and it has higher risk of bleeding and intracranial hemorrhage, but it's a very good treatment. But then DOAX, including in the patient-level meta-analysis published by Tony Carnicelli, are substantially better with an additional 20% relative risk reduction um, in stroke and with um, a substantially um, safer profile. In spite of these benefits, there's underuse of oral anticoagulation for patients with atrial fibrillation and risk factors for stroke. This has been shown in a variety of data sets here, data from the Optum data, data showing that there was only about one-third of patients with new AFib were treated within a year with oral anticoagulation, and there was particularly underuse in patients with dementia, frailty, and anemia. There has been this question about whether or not aspirin might be a reasonable alternative, but in fact, it's not. It's neither safe nor effective, and this is most graphically displayed by the Averroes trial results, where apixaban resulted in a 55% lower risk of stroke and not much more bleeding than aspirin in a population deemed inappropriate for uh, warfarin um, treatment. And in fact, intracranial hemorrhage, there were numerically fewer with, with apixaban than with aspirin. And this has been seen in other data sets. There's really seems to be no increased risk of intracranial hemorrhage with apixaban um, versus um, aspirin. So there's little reason to ever consider use of aspirin um, in this population. And in fact, another critically important message for you is that the use of aspirin in addition to anticoagulation provides substantial risk and no benefit for most patients. 
So a simple suggestion, stop aspirin for patients who are on an anticoagulant. And this was really nicely underscored in the AFIRE trial um, results. This was 2,200 patients with AFib. In Japan, they were treated with rivaroxaban at the 15 milligram dose. And they were randomized to rivaroxaban alone or rivaroxaban in a single antiplatelet agent. And what you see is the antiplatelet agent caused a 70% increased risk of major bleeding. That was maybe not so surprising. What was surprising, there was no benefit. And this may be, in, in fact, there was a statistically significantly higher risk of thrombotic events and of death with adding aspirin to anticoagulation for a population of patients with stable coronary disease at least one year from ACS or revascularization. And um, so this, again, um, underscores even for patients with stable coronary disease, generally do not use antiplatelet therapy on top of anticoagulation. How about um, patients who are elderly? And here we see from the um, Aristotle data that, um, that, that this is a population that gets equal relative risk reduction and greater absolute risk reduction in the major outcomes, including bleeding, stroke, and mortality. We also see that for patients who fall, as long as they're not hitting their head and getting intracranial hemorrhage, that the benefit far outweighs the risk of use of DOAX, including um, with apixaban, um, than, uh, than no anticoagulation. And finally, with respect to renal disease, and this is data from the uh, combined AF uh, meta-analysis, we see that if anything, patients who have more impaired renal function down to a creatinine clearance of 25 to 30 have greater benefit compared to warfarin for less bleeding and less stroke um, and systemic embolism. So I've, I've made the point, um, I hope then, that with respect to these high-risk features, as long as one's careful with the dosing, that generally these frail and elderly patients with comorbidities get at least as much or greater benefit from anticoagulation with DOAX, and I hope this has been helpful to you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.